0: Okay, hey Joseph. Hi Prashant. How's your day going?
1: It's going well. It's Saturday. Uh, I'm doing actually. I'm actually doing a wake up challenge, and oh, yeah. it's like it's for public accountability. So you probably saw it on LinkedIn, but I've been doing this challenge where I try to wake up at eight every day until the end of the semester. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but if anyone knows me, I'm like the biggest night owl. Um. So, I announced on LinkedIn to my 6,000 connections that I would be waking up at 8 until the end of the semester and, and tweeting every night, tweeting every morning on right. Twitter, uh, random okay. thoughts. So, yeah. That's I'm pretty cool, man. Today.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Jocko Willink, he always wakes up at 4 a.m. and he would capture his watch saying 4 a.m.? and post it on i think instagram something like that
1: i did i've seen that actually yeah i think i might have been subtly influenced by him
0: okay yeah yeah i think yeah i
1: I was i definitely was influenced by him um like summer of last this is like a really rant this is this would be a long story if i like went down the whole rabbit hole but last (laughs) summer I, i went to hong kong and i was like i was interning there um but that summer, I I credit a lot of my like my current like motivation and like ambition to like that summer. Like I think I really kind of like brainwashed myself in a way. Like I just immersed myself in like motivational videos and like stuff like that. Stuff like Jocko of like <laughs> it's really like giving myself the confidence and like the ambition to like work hard. So <laughs> yeah, random yeah. Tangent.
0: Totally, man. I think Jocko talks about a really cool thing where he says that discipline gives you more freedom because people think that when you are super disciplined, you don't have freedom because you are stuck to the schedule. But I think what he says makes a lot of sense now that I'm preparing my or I'm trying to plan my routines, my schedules, because I want to try to fit in all those right processes. Like, okay, two things, Jocko willing and James Clear. So James Clear, the author of Atomic Atomic Habits, right? And Jocko Willink, I think he's an author of Leadership. I forgot the book's name. Uh, But yeah, basically these two guys having a big influence in terms of like, you know, habits and discipline and routine for me.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, hmm. have you you found that, hmm. would you say that you're like a very regimented person? I don't know if that what that word exactly means but like very like strict (laughs) are you like very disciplined uh and like strict with your with your own like behavior
0: no man i think like you know as interns we always play that intensity game we don't play the process game i'm not sure sure if it's true with you but like you know we always think about this that okay i want to get this internship i will do anything to get that internship Mm. and then we go down the path of trying everything doing everything, blasting emails, blasting like messages to people we know, and going on hackathons, not sleeping for 24 hours, stuff like that. (laughs) So we play the intensity game, right? But I think after Microsoft, my entire mindset changed because until Microsoft, I was playing the intensity game. I got in through a hackathon basically. Uh So I was like, you know, not sleeping for a month, something like that, and eating shit. But after I got into Microsoft, that's when I realized that, hey, now intensity doesn't matter. Now it's all about process. Mm. How do you make sure that you get the right things done every single day and the entire compound interest effect? Not sure if that's similar with you.
1: That's so interesting. So now that you're not interning, well, you're still interning, right? You're still um, interning at a different company right now, right?
0: I'm actually back in school now. So I finished all my six internships. And now I just started my my final year.
1: Okay, so so what would you say? So I mean, sorry to turn the interview back on you, but uh, <laughs> what what do you, what do you think? Um, like, what do you think a a good day with with the optimal processes look like? Looks like for you.
0: That's a really good question.
1: First of all, I want to
0: talk about something that I was thinking last night while going to sleep. So, I thought about this a lot. A lot of my friends who wanted to get into a prestigious university, they in India especially, in India we have this prestigious university or prestigious group of universities called IIT. And to get in, you have to give an entrance exam, which every year, I think, 1.4 million students give and only 10,000 people are selected. Oh my! So imagine. Imagine the competition over here. Yeah. Now, what I've heard a lot is that people prepare like crazy to get into that university to clear their final exam. But once they get in, they have no motivation. They don't know what to do. They are like, hey, we achieved what we wanted to do for for what we were preparing for the last five years. Now, we have no goal. So we are confused. <laughs> so I used to think about that. I'm like, how do you make sure that you are not in that situation? So that's when I realized that, okay... What if I plan for two steps ahead? Hmm. So let's say my goal is to become a VP of product and getting a good product manager role and learning over there is just one step towards it. Hmm. So now when I actually get my product manager role, I will not just end my motivation there. I will not just be like, not just be comfortable at that point, thinking that, oh, I have achieved what I wanted, but I will actually then start building processes to prepare for my next goal, which is VP of product. So this is something I've been thinking about because this is exactly what happens, right? Like Microsoft, I was crazy preparing for Microsoft. I got in, and then I'm comfortable. I'm like, okay, wow, I have achieved what everyone wanted to do, like get a big brand name on a resume.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? So, you know, thoughts like that. But coming back to your question, which I actually forgot. What was your question again? Yeah,
1: was, what, what is an optimal day look for look for you in terms of processes? Right.
0: Right. So now that you're talking about processes uh, I think about these three things. Number one is mock interviews. Number two is projects and number three is content. So mock interviews is how you actually prepare for the day, the day when you will actually get an interview projects is how you actually get real world experience with using tools and understanding the landscape, understanding different products and putting and shipping. Like, you know, as a product manager, you have to get into the mindset of shipping. And then finally content, because content is through, I actually get to meet new people. I think somewhere, just because I've been posting content for two years now, uh, somewhere if I don't post content, I actually don't feel good. That's what I realize now.
1: Mm. (laughs) interesting, yeah.
0: So that's kind of my process, like uh, for product management, especially that, okay, practice mock interviews, do projects, side projects, and number three is write content. Yeah, oh,
1: that's so interesting. So I want to go back to what you said about um, VP VP of Product being your goal. I I don't know if that's actually your goal, but um, yeah, like, hmm, what's the end goal? Like, what's the long long game? Um, What is it? CEO of Google or like, (laughs) like what's the (laughs) like what's the you know you say plan two steps ahead? uh what's the yeah what's the long term for you
0: i think so i've been listening to a lot of tim ferris right now every day i go for a morning walk i put in my headphones and i'm like okay let's listen to a good podcast and that's when i came across tony fidel tony fidel is the guy who is regarded as the creator of ipod he launched ipod then he went he actually resigned from Apple, then he went to launch Google Nest, or I should say just Nest, which was then acquired by Google. And then he stayed there for a couple of years. And then he again quit that to now launch, I think, a really cool startup accelerator. So obviously, this person has a lot of experience. So I think like, you know, he talks about this concept of planning your careers at eight to 10 years at a time. So think about what you want to accomplish in the next 8 to 10 years. I think that's a really good really good timeline because it's not too long that you'll be like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do 50 years down the road. And it's also not too short that you become super desperate in your actions. We're still thinking that you're still having the long-term strategy. I thought that was really cool. So when you say that, what what's my goal is? I think my goal is, as of now, what I have thought about it is like, you know, I want to be part of a industry or... I think industry is the right word industry or trend that has a lot of growth potential so when i think about that i think e-commerce is one of them hmm. so e-commerce is something that i am trying to dive more into right and trying to think more about it that okay what is my strength and where can i fit in over here so that's something i'm thinking about right now but in terms of like you know what position i want to get into like ceo vp of product I think VP of product is definitely something that I'm aiming for because when you aim high, you just improve your processes, right? You improve, you become more efficient. That okay? I, I'm recently reading a lot, a lot about the VP of product or Spotify, so just learning more about, like you know, his mindset, learning more about what things he focuses on. I think that really helps you, right? Because when you know where you want to go, it really helps you do the right things in the on the on the micro scale.
1: Hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. So, e-commerce is industry. So you,
0: so and you I know, know you have industry. a ton of experience in e-commerce. So Joseph <laughs> has basically sold four Shopify businesses. I actually want to know more about it. Tell me, tell me the entire story over here. Like, tell me the first one and how did he get that idea?
1: Yeah. So, so the first ever one. This. Kind of a funny story. So I'm an econ major. I go to the University of Michigan. Um, but a little background about me, I'm I'm not a great student. Like, okay, I'm a good enough student to like get into Michigan, right? But then like <laughs> beyond that, like I started out as a computer science student, right? I I started out as CS. I wanted to be like an engineer. Um, I switched out of it right after freshman year because it was just not for me. Uh, of course, it was hard, but it was also just not for me. Um, and uh, I switched into information science, and then I switched again to econs, so and now I'm economics, uh, and I'm just kind of taking this major because uh, I just want to graduate, basically. Uh, so that, that's a little background about me. but the e-commerce story starts last year when I was studying for my econ finals and I was just like I I think I think the final was in like three days and I was sitting in my apartment and I was trying to study these like macro like intermediate macroeconomics formulas and then I was just like I hate this so much (laughs) and I just went on YouTube and I was like Google I was just like YouTubing like dropshipping, and like Amazon FBA and um those two things are kind of like I don't know if you've if you've watched anything on like like YouTube like those are the two like business models that you see like being sold by like gurus as like get rich quick schemes like Hey, yeah. You gotta try Amazon, FB. You gotta try drop shipping. Like you'll get rich. And I kind of I saw I saw that, and I was like, this is kind of BS. But you know, the the model makes sense. It's not gonna get me rich quick, but it's maybe maybe I'll learn something. <clears throat> so I'll learn some. I'll, I'll learn more than <laughs> than what I'm learning from these econ finals. So I uh, I still studied a little bit for my econ finals, but. Uh, while I was supposed to be studying for my econ finals, I started my dropshipping, my first ever dropshipping store. And so, like a misconception is that like dropshipping is a business model. It's not. It's not really a business model. Like e-commerce is a business model, and then dropshipping is just the fulfillment model. So I'm sh- like, you probably know that because you're like into e-com, but like, yeah, it's just a it's just a fulfillment model. So the the cool thing about dropshipping is the only risk you take is buying ads like that's your if you think about it as so that's your customer acquisition cost you can think of that as like your rent like in physical terms um, right you're like paying rent to like take up ad space um, and then everything from there you just try to take advantage of it as much as possible by you know retaining your customers uh, having a good landing page whatever so the first product I ever sold was so this was not a good idea. I sold um, AirPods cases. So, you know, like AirPods have <laughs> like the white case around it. But then yeah. I sold like there was like the silicone thing around, you know, the, the silicone like case that goes around the AirPods. Uh, I sold I tried to sell that. It didn't go very well um, because so I like. Here's a quick math lesson. So like or like I guess a business lesson. Like I I was buying them for about three dollars each. Yeah. From China. I was selling them for fifteen dollars. So what is that? Five hundred percent like profit margin. Profit margin, which sounds really good. But then the problem was it the margin itself was just too small. Like there, it was twelve dollars, like I was getting twelve dollars profit from each, from each unit sold. So the problem was like that the ad cost didn't wasn't justified by, by how small the margin was. So I, that that store kind of flopped. Um, I ended up doing like Facebook ads. Uh, the Facebook ads didn't do very well. Uh, I targeted like, so the the niche was like, it's it's a they were like boba like you know type, he, do you know like you're you're at waterloo right yeah so you know a lot of east asians right yeah so it's done so like boba and like pokemon and like stuff yeah. like that like that asians <laughs> like because i'm immersed in that i'm immersed in that culture if you guys didn't know i'm asian because you, you're hearing it on a podcast or whatever but yeah i'm like korean but yeah like the culture is like boba and like pokemon and like stuff like that so <laughs> I <laughs> so like the case the AirPods cases were themed around that so then my angle is like oh I would sell that to like bay area california uh like 20 to 30 year olds um and I mean I sold some it like it, it sort of worked but it just the the numbers just didn't work out so um so okay. that it kind of flopped but then the next one right. okay, I'll go to the next one I'll, I'll uh, just, before I'll just, that, I just, yeah, I just yeah, have yeah. a go question. Ahead.
0: So you mentioned that the ad cost didn't make sense. Can you tell me more about that? Like, what exactly was the cost of the ad, and how many platforms were you doing these ads on?
1: Yeah. So, so Facebook ads. Uh, we can start there. That's so a good like CPM to go for, which means cost per thousand impressions. Impressions. Yes. Yeah about ten ten dollars like you should shoot for ten dollars um I, I it's too early for me to like think about math right now but like basically <laughs> you like you have to think about your cpm and then the other metric is your basically your your breakeven row as like your break even return on ad ad spend um and just your, the ratio of like your customer acquisition cost to the profit margin. So, I that that ratio was just too small for me. It was negative for me. Uh, okay, like I would be spending, let's say, twenty dollars to get one purchase for like thirteen dollars, um, because Facebook. The thing with Facebook ads is that, like if you've ever experienced facebook ads like you hate them right like nobody likes looking at facebook They're, they interrupt you right it's not like google ads where you're actually searching for something and then you find something else relevant it's just you're scrolling through facebook and then you see something pop up that you don't want to see um okay right
0: i love that you are talking about this because i know that's exactly how every user thinks about it. They think that they are immune to ads and they just skip through it. But there has been a lot of research saying that you are a fool if you think that you are immune to ads. So I <laughs> just want to get more of your perspective on this. Yes, like, tell me yes. more about this. What do you think about this entire debate or this <clears> entire conversation?
1: Oh, I, I'm very, very interested in ads. So I actually, so after this whole dropshipping thing, I actually got into um, running ad campaigns for political candidates. Right. Um, So I I took what I learned from just copywriting and positioning a message to an audience, and I applied it to like grassroots congressional campaigns. Um, And. Yeah, actually, I I learned a lot from that, but but I agree with you a lot that nobody's immune to ads um ads are just content like i think people are changing the way they think about ads um like in the past like oh i don't know like i'm 21 years old like what do i know about the past but like (laughs) in my concept in my preconceived notion of what an ad is it's something that sells you on something um but i think like having having done a lot of ads uh, or a decent amount, like I have spent about 100k in total in wow 100k, in my life. yeah, not of my okay. own money. Like some of it is my own money, some of it was for the campaign. Okay,
0: that makes sense from the campaign.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think like ads that. I mean, it is selling technically, but if you if you take a class on sales, like you'll learn that, you know, sales is not about telling people to buy something it's about diagnosing their problem it's about being a doctor right it's about diagnosing their problem and deeply understanding them at an empathetic human level and presenting them a solution that will solve their pain um, so i think if you approach ads in that way they can definitely be effective um, i've just seen a lot of bad ads on facebook <laughs> <laughs>
0: The best way to be immune to ads is, I believe, just don't look at ads. And yeah, how you can do it is watch Social Dilemma, delete Facebook, delete Instagram, (laughs) delete Twitter, and yeah, your life is peaceful again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. By the way, have you watched Social Dilemma and what was the effect of it?
1: I have. Okay, so Social Dilemma, I think it's a great movie to watch for everyone. Like, I think everyone should watch it. Um, for me personally, it was kind of it was a little bit jarring. It was like, oh my gosh, wow, this is this is like how serious it is. But it wasn't it wasn't like new in a way. Like right. I, like I think I already kind of knew like oh yeah that's how tech companies work. Like yeah they sell ads and they have algorithms, and they're companies. They're they're poor. They're for profit companies. So. Of course, they're gonna have algorithms to optimize for selling more, sell, like selling more ads to you. Um, that's basically the premise of it, and like they don't care about you as a person; they care about how much money they can extract from you. Um, I mean, it's kind of sad that that's not shocking to me, but it wasn't <laughs> that shocking to me. <laughs> I don't know; maybe I'm cynical, but that's just like kind of how businesses, like. A lot of businesses work um so like in terms of like what do, what do i take away from it i guess like i i think actually it was it was cool to see people like tristan harris uh i mean mm-hmm. i had been following him for a long time on twitter um before watching it but like everything he's doing with like team human and just his podcast and all his like content and talking to these technology leaders. And not just him, but just like all the people they interviewed, like the fact that they're so conscious of it in their own industry. And actually it was weird. Like the the guy who invented the YouTube algorithm, like the initial YouTube algorithm that like chooses what related videos to show you. He went on that documentary and he was like, don't use the YouTube algorithm. Just watch the videos you want to watch. And So he's telling you to (laughs) not use his own invention, which is kind of funny and sad <laughs>
0: right and i totally took his advice i installed this chrome extension it's uh-huh. what is it called it's called clean up youtube uh-huh. so like you have a lot of controls over here you can disable the home page feed you can disable uh, auto playing you can disable like you know any recommendations the comments the profile picture everything the, the top so, menu the side menu everything
1: so do you feel like you're being taken advantage of? Like, do you feel like you are being manipulated and deceived? Like for me, it feels like maybe, maybe it's a pride thing, but for me, I think like, Oh, I just, if I, if I just stay disciplined enough and I just, I basically, I think that I can outsmart the algorithm. Like if I just know that I'm going to spend an hour max on YouTube, then what's the difference between watching like videos that I'm being recommended versus videos that I just want to watch. And yeah, maybe I'll get more targeted ads and stuff. But in my opinion, like I don't really mind that, like if they can give me more targeted ads that that will make me want to buy more stuff i feel like right. i'm a more i'm a pretty reasonable person and i'll only buy something if i tr- like truly need it obviously that's probably th- is not true but you know like, right to a certain extent i feel like i have control over my own actions so what do you think about that
0: so over here there are two things one is willpower and number two is that manipulation aspect so about willpower you said that uh you believe that you are a person who has basically said that you have a lot of willpower and you can restrict yourself for, let's say, one hour of YouTube watching. And after that, you will say that, OK, that's it. I'm going to now go and do my work. That's definitely so... not
1: true, but but <laughs> 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 yeah, I so so <laughs> what do you what do you think is the what do you think is the manipulation? Are you are you afraid of? of spending an endless amount of time on these on these sites because of the algorithm and being manipulated to do so? Or are you afraid of just how targeted it is? Which I guess is kind of similar because then it, then it leads you to watch more. But yeah, is it is it the data privacy concerns? Is it the fact that they're manipulating you? Is it the fact that they're making you watch more? Like, what do you think is the problem?
0: right right so coming back to the willpower thing so i was just giving a more premise to what i wanted to talk about so it's basically the fact that you might have heard a lot about this that your willpower is the strongest in in the beginning of the day and as you keep on making decisions as you keep on exercising or using your willpower your willpower reduces just like any resource Mm -hmm. and at the night time When you have almost used up all your willpower to focus on the right things, to do the right things that you thought, after that, your willpower is now almost zero. And now, if let's say you dive into YouTube and then comes the manipulation part, I would not say manipulation. But what happens over here is that like YouTube's founder himself or YouTube algorithms creator himself said that we are trying to explore different rabbit holes or different interests of yours that could be a rabbit hole that we can dive you into, right? So it's basically not manipulation. It's basically what you want, but in excessive form. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes like, you know, I'll tell you about my rabbit hole. I totally uh, know that that what's my rabbit hole. So I used to follow this guy called CoffeeZilla. And what he does is basically he busts these fake gurus. Yeah, And somewhere I got into that. And I realized that, wait, I am falling into this rabbit hole. When first he will bust Dan Locke, then he'll be like, okay, uh, Dean uh, Graziosi is also like that, that he's going to be like Dan Bilzerian. Uh, And then like he, he would keep on going. And I'm like, wait, I know all these people. I thought they were good. But now he's saying they are not good. I'm interested. So YouTube really understands you well. So it understands that I like this fake guru or that is one of my interests i want to know what's wrong over here and how can i be more aware and now what youtube does excessive 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 just throw everything to him uh-huh. so yeah and obviously as i talk about the willpower thing when i'm at the night time i've used up all my willpower to focus on the right things i don't have enough willpower to restrict myself for just one hour and that's when i just keep going that's the reason why people uh, binge netflix during the night time and they, they don't care about Uh, turning it off they just skip to the next episode
1: yeah no that's that's a wise way of thinking about it um because yeah i like i kind of hinted at it but yeah i definitely don't have like i i i I, that's how i think of myself like in my pride right Um, but yeah but you definitely like you know i'm capable of i'm definitely capable of watching 24 hours of youtube like straight like there's definitely been times where i've not 24 but you know but five, like, five hours of youtube on a weekend like i've definitely done that right so, yeah, yeah
0: totally i think everybody would have done this and how do you feel about that so let me tell you about my first netflix binging experience i had just finished my second year and I had to move out of my place in three days, which means I had three days. My exams were over. Nobody was on campus. I didn't know what to do. So what I did, I went to library. I think that was the time when I got my uncle's Netflix subscription. And I was like, okay, let's see, what can I watch? And I watched entire, is it called Archie's? I think that's what it's called, right? Archie's, that's a series on Netflix. And I basically binge watched that entire Fort 2 straight, Days and I felt like shit. After that, I felt so bad. I'm like, wait, I didn't even stand up from my seat. I, my eyes are tired. I want to go to sleep. I am not feeling good. I didn't talk to anybody. Like, I'm just feeling so lonely now. (laughs)
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely feel that. I felt that the most. I think freshman year. uh, Yeah. I don't know. I feel like <clears throat> I'm I'm naturally a very, like, lazy person. And so my tendency is just to like, yeah, my natural tendency is bitch to watch just binge. Yeah. And just not <laughs> be productive. But then the problem is it's so self-destructive. Like I hate totally like I just totally like hate myself afterwards. And then I just feel so bad and like it just <clears throat> yeah, it's I definitely relate to that feeling
0: yeah and since then i i try to not watch any netflix series
1: (laughs) Mm. yeah
0: but movies movies are good and also i think this is a big thing that if you want to watch something on these platforms only then go in like if you know what you want to watch but don't just open netflix and be like okay let's let me scroll through the entire all the titles that these guys have yeah that is just waste you're just wasting a lot of time a lot of decision fatigue, a lot of decision dilemma. And now you have spent a lot of time as well. So just bad, just bad for your mental state.
1: Yes. Agreed. Agreed.
0: <clears throat> yeah. And the reason I tell talk more about this these days is because I want to not die, get into that zone again. And by just, as you mentioned, accountability, right? By mm-hmm. talking it more out in public, you just become... You just become accountable of your actions because you don't want to be that guy who says something else and does something else.
1: Yeah, yeah. Have you have you always been? Uh, hmm. How do I want to phrase the question? I guess like, how have you have you struggled with um, motivation and like wasting time and stuff like that in the past?
0: Hundred percent. I think. That was a big thing. And same, I think you t- you told earlier about the fact that you would watch a lot of motivation videos. I think that's the thing that people fall into, right? People are like, wait, I don't have motivation. So how do I get motivation? Then you start watching a lot of motivation videos. And now, at the end of the day, you still didn't do anything. <laughs> so just getting out of that concept or mindset. I think LinkedIn changed me quite a bit. Because LinkedIn is where you... Go out of the concept of consumption to creation,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And I really love that because, yeah, you have to be a builder, a creator, and if that's the identity that you put for yourself, that's gonna move things.
1: I like that. I like that. Creating versus consuming. I agree. I think consuming, basically, what what you're saying is like consuming is like. Hmm. I I, maybe this is a simplistic way of thinking about it but like consuming is like more of a waste of time than creating why is that?
0: I just think creation is that's a really good question because I'm not saying consuming is bad I'm just saying creation actually moves things and that actually helps you build momentum that actually helps you build your self identity that actually gives you motivation or inspiration to do more right because for me let me tell you this like you might have heard about this concept of streak right on snapchat yeah yeah the more you invest into streak the more you want to keep it going like they're literally teenage kids on snapchat i think i read this a year ago if they had to go on a vacation they would actually hand over their snapchat accounts to their brothers or parents (laughs) and be like hey keep the streak going (laughs) so it's 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 just about the momentum feeling right like when you actually keep on creating you are investing into something that you don't want to stop now and then you keep on doing it more and then when you look back you're like wow i just did a lot of things i came a long way yeah and that's just really helpful right from mindset perspective
1: to kind of like put it into i want to dig deeper into philosophy of this so (laughs) like isn't that the same thing? I mean, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate just to get a good conversation out of it, but yeah, what definitely. Do you, isn't that the same thing as consumption? So how is that different from, you know, getting down that rabbit hole and consuming and then and then kind of a getting getting on that streak of just consuming, consuming, consuming versus getting on that streak of creating? What's the difference to you?
0: As I mentioned, like it's all about moving the needle, right? With consumption, you don't. Like, even if you take an online course, unless you go and build something out of it, that online course is of no use. Nobody's gonna like in this world and age, nobody's gonna hire you based on your degree or an online certification that you did. Maybe if you got from MIT, that's a different case, MIT or Harvard. That's a different case. But if you just took a random online course, like LinkedIn Learning or something like that, you're not guaranteed a job because they don't care about what you consume. They care about what you do after you consume. Yeah. Right. I think
1: action is what you're looking for. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Exactly. This is something I'm really forcing myself to do. Like as I talked about projects, like this is something I uh, do as a routine. I have set like two hours per day, every weekday. And what I do is I think about an, a problem that people might have or I might just have and I come up with a solution. Like today what I did was I I was just thinking about it that, okay, why don't we have podcast snippets? Why can I just share podcast snippets on Instagram stories? I mm. can share a snippet of music, add music to my stories, but why not podcasts? So I just created a quick Figma prototype first off, Instagram should definitely do this because Instagram is all about sharing your moments, expressing yourself and capturing those moments. So podcast makes a lot of sense. Like I go for walks every morning and I listen to some podcasts, which are super insightful. And I want to share it with my buddies. What happens now is that let's say I use Spotify, but my friends use Apple Music, somebody else use Stitcher, someone else use Overcast. So if I share them my Spotify link, which which i have access to it doesn't make sense to them they still have to go on stitcher put in the search thing and then figure out which episode it is then play and then go to that start time where i want them to uh, go to and listen to this thing it's a lot of friction have you created any jiffy or
1: jiff oh no but i know people who do
0: yeah so what you do is you basically upload a youtube video or any video and then you clip for how much time you want Mm. exactly that so i created that for I created that UI for podcast for Instagram stories. Ah. So quick project, things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. And then that that feeling you get is like much deeper, right? Than you get from than than just consuming. Like for some reason, like being productive and um, I, I don't want to say being productive. I want to be more specific. So creating versus consuming, like creating gives you such a feeling of like, I don't know, it's like a deeper fulfillment than than just because like, why do we even watch? Ne- why do we binge Netflix in the first place? Like it, it feels good, right? In the moment, it yeah. gives you that dopamine hit. But then like, I guess it's, I guess the feeling of creating is just inherently more fulfilling long term. Is it? Is it inherently more fulfilling? I guess it is. I don't know why. Why do you? <laughs> I that? think it is because,
0: okay, so this is a question I've been thinking about a lot these days. Uh, so for the entire month of September, I didn't post anything uh-huh. because I started university and there was a lot of extra things on my plate. So because like, you know, I started posting content when I was on my internship for eight months. And that's when I built Strategy 2098. That's where I scaled uh, my blog. That's where I scaled my side projects. I became super active on LinkedIn, but obviously when you get back to school, you have too much on your plate again. So (laughs) I was like, okay, wait, first I want to focus on university. First I want to make sure everything is organized and then I will post again. So it took me a month and yeah, I didn't feel good. (laughs) I didn't feel good that I wasn't posting on LinkedIn. And now I'm thinking about it that, Hey, what's the reason behind that? Was it the creation aspect that I love to create and because i didn't create i didn't like myself i didn't just have confidence and stuff like that or was it that social aspect that because i was posting on linkedin people were liking my post Mm. people were sending me these messages was that the reason and i don't want that second reason to be the case but i want my identity to be the case that hey i am a creator which means i create every day if i don't create i don't feel confident Mm. i don't feel good and i hope that's the answer
1: I think, I think that's, I like that answer. I like that answer. It's, it's about identity. When you're, when you're consuming, you are, it's like, it's gaining inspiration. You're, you're consuming other people's identities. It's passive. There's nothing, there's nothing about you in that. But then when you create, it's, it's, it's expressive of your own identity and you're interacting and you said you don't want it to be a social thing, but I think it kind of is a social thing. Like yeah. you're, you're expressing your identity to the world and maybe like, yeah, like validation metrics don't matter, but, but in a, but it is important that you're expressing who you are as an individual to the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, totally. I know like the entire social aspect would definitely be a part of it. I think, okay, there's a really cool concept that James Clear talks about. So a lot of people do these affirmations in the morning when they wake up that, okay, I'm a healthy person. I'm this, I'm that. And he talks about a cool concept that let's say you are not in a good shape, but you want to get into a good shape. Mm -hmm. Now, if you wake up in the morning and you say that I'm a healthy person, if that's a positive affirmation you're trying to give yourself, Back in the mind somewhere, you know that's not true. You are not a healthy person. But instead, if you give it an identity, you give an identity based on a behavior that you do. Then it changes things. You said your identity was someone who, who does five push-ups every day. Now you do five push-ups every day. And yeah. that's good. You are confident. You have you are aligned with your identity. But if you say you are a healthy person, you are not a healthy person right now. You're just lying to yourself.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's so true. I think (laughs) it kind of goes back to the very first thing I said at the beginning of our conversation. It's like when I made that LinkedIn post about waking up early, I didn't say I'm a morning person now. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's just not true. What I said was I'm going. I didn't say I'm going to try. I said I'm going to wake up at 8 every day until the end of the semester. And it's been it's, it's four days in four or five five days in it's going all right but yeah i think i think like putting it in those terms and like making it really core to your identity that's that's a good insight
0: yeah i love that man so i think you said that you were a night owl or you weren't really comfortable waking up early i think i faced the same problem like i or i used to face the same problem And just the fact about consistency, right? Like, how do you make sure you are consistently waking up at the same time? You are not catching up for the day. You are always going to knock the day off, right? So how long did you have this thing in your mind that you want to change things up? And yeah, what was the trigger to actually put this post out?
1: Hmm. I think... I'm trying to remember it was definitely a piece of content that I that I read somewhere it was it was something about it was either something about discipline or it it might have been Jocko honestly <laughs> it might have been something like that because I hadn't been I haven't been like consuming like Jocko and like motivation and stuff like content like that I think I yeah I think I just read an article of someone who like made a big commitment to doing something. It was either like working out every day or you know transforming their their like their health or something like that. And I think I was just it was very random. It was very like inspired, just a random inspired moment where I was just like, "Wow, I should do that. I should totally do that." And I think maybe yeah. it was like a subconscious buildup of like waking up super late every morning for the past two months or so where I was like very fed up with myself but I I hadn't really reflected on that and hadn't really like thought about oh I really want to change I really want to change I think it was just like I was just kind of like cruising along because it's my senior year and I didn't really care um right but like but yeah maybe maybe subconsciously I was unsatisfied with that routine And when I when I watched this video or I read this article, I was just like, it triggered something in me that was like, oh, yeah, what am I doing with my life? Like I should, you know, I should, I should be more disciplined.
0: Right. So is that I know you you're planning to tweet this every day. So is that a pinned tweet on your profile now? And are you going to update it every single day?
1: Yes. Yes. So my that's a plan. (laughs) I, I pinned I pinned the original tweet with the, with the challenge and then every day I say like day one and then I, I put a, a thought a random thought of the day. Um, okay and then I, I put I you know reply <clears throat> to my own tweet and I add one every day.
0: <laughs> right right. Okay. With this, I think this is a good segue into this entire conversation about LinkedIn versus Twitter. So last night I was on a panel. Uh, I was actually hosting a LinkedIn workshop, and this is a question I got: that What do you like, LinkedIn or Twitter? And I want to know from you: What do you like, and what are your overall thoughts about this space? Uh,
1: okay, so I think that. Uh, oh my gosh! So I think that I built, <laughs> I built most of my brand on LinkedIn, right? Like that's where most of my audience is. Yeah, but. Basically, the short answer is, I want, like, where Twitter is right now, in the way that people produce content, I want that to be LinkedIn. I want LinkedIn to be Twitter, basically. Um, exactly. In the way that people are authentic and people are, people post thoughts, and it's no different. Like this, it's not different types of people. They're working professionals. They care about their career. They talk about their career, but in on Twitter. People sound like human beings, and on, on LinkedIn, they all have the same speech patterns and the same—you know—it just is formulaic. So I think, like, ah, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what it's gonna take. I think I, I see trends though. I think we're definitely like a year ago, it was even worse on LinkedIn. Like you would see right. people literally copy-pasting the same exact post from each other. You do see that a little bit now, but. I think it's gotten better and people like, um, let's see, I'll shout out some people, Jonathan Tester. I think he is a big proponent of just authenticity. Uh, Lynn Tran, I think she's very authentic on LinkedIn. Um, Let's see, David Rosenstein, I think he's super authentic. Um, I think you're really authentic too Prashant. Uh, I think there's there's a new wave of people who definitely care about authenticity on LinkedIn. Uh, and it's going that direction so I love I love LinkedIn because it allows you to just connect to anyone and I like how the the connection is mutual so like on Twitter it's not follow it's like followers and you can have, right. you can have followers on, right. on LinkedIn too but I like how it's mutual like instead of following someone you're connecting with them and then it creates more opportunity for conversation like Twitter DMS, you can't really DM like famous people but on LinkedIn. You kind of can like if you connect with them, you can you can you can talk to like anyone you want to. Um, So, yeah, I like LinkedIn for that, but I just don't like the content as much. But I think I believe in it. I love LinkedIn. I think that it'll evolve to become more casual and more authentic.
0: Right. I love that. That's the reason why I didn't first say my answer. Because that might nudge you in a different direction. But sure. I really like your answer. And I like that particular concept because that's a unique insight that, yeah, it's a two-way connection. On Twitter, there are people who sometimes don't even have their DM enabled. So you cannot even reach out to them. Like, literally, I cold DM'd. Someone at Well Simple and they are like, "Hey, reach out to our head of product." And I'm like, "How do I reach out to him? He hasn't accepted my request on Well Simple, and he doesn't have his DM enabled on Twitter. Can you send me his email?" He's like, "No, I cannot." (laughs) (laughs) Can you send me his phone number? No, I cannot. I'm like, "Then how do I reach out to him?" (laughs) And he's like, "I don't know. Just reach out to him."
1: (laughs) What was the point? Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but yeah, that's a cool insight. Here's my thing that on a fundamental level, LinkedIn is all about people who are aspiring to be in a position. If you look at everybody on LinkedIn, we are trying to become a product manager. We are trying to become an entrepreneur. We're trying to get our first internship on Twitter. There are already a lot of accomplished professionals accomplished people in general who are now just sharing their random thoughts so in terms of content this is the kind of difference that i believe will see will stay kind of forever there will always be content on linkedin this is what i think there will always be content on linkedin that will be a bit desperate however on twitter there are people who are i would not say comfortable where they are but they're confident where they are and now they're sharing their insights what they are thinking their thoughts and that's reason why it's casual Mm. and this is this is just very normal right like if you see about if you see for any person if they are secure they will be confident with what they say if they're insecure they'll be desperate in what they say or what they want yeah yep it's just about what kind of people the platform attracts
1: Hmm. So you think because LinkedIn is a is a job seeking platform, people go on it to seek. They expect to network with people and seek jobs, and that's why it, it turns out that way. And Twitter, it's just a social network. It's not for any particular purpose. So people just share their thoughts without any expectation.
0: Yep and i think the best solution for linkedin to become casual is to just grow more and try to try to nudge people in a direction where they are focusing more on conversation more on values rather than just job seeking because now linkedin has evolved over job seeking now it's not job seeking now it's not just job seeking right it's a lot about personal brand it's a lot about yeah. value creation and yeah, just connections.
1: Wait, I oh, just that. Okay, that was a kind of a light bulb moment because for some reason, like inherently, there's something wrong with LinkedIn. Exactly. I just, I just realized, like, if it's a job seeking platform, the way oh, what? Okay, so if you wait, okay, I'm trying to formulate all the thoughts like that just like burst into my head right now. So, like LinkedIn. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so LinkedIn. <laughs> You want to have, you're trying to get people careers, but when you advertise it like that, you're going to get that desperate attitude that you're talking about, right? But like when you think about networking, like I actually hate the word networking because it just sounds so transactional. Right. that's because LinkedIn is like that. Like it attracts people who have that transactional attitude because you want a job, you're trying to get something. But the reason why Twitter is so, you can make the same types of connections on Twitter, but but it's it actually gets you like I've heard people who actually get jobs on like jobs from Twitter. Um, exactly. Yep. It, it happens on Twitter because it's
0: very straightforward.
1: It's, it's because it's uh, because networking is not. Uh, well, how, how, how do I make that? <laughs> so networking is not networking is supposed to be building about building relationships. And the way you build trust is not by like randomly connecting with someone and acting all formal and acting all professional. Like the way you build trust is just by casually like talking to people and sharing your random thoughts on Twitter uh, or, you know, on whatever platform. Like, I think just by making it about jobs, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. In a way hot take but i'm basically saying that the whole linkedin platform the whole concept the whole (laughs) concept behind linkedin is flawed but i i like what you said about like personal branding like by turning linkedin into a more personal branding platform like with stories and everything like that like i think it's becoming more of you're you're able to show more of your personality and more like be yourself which is what authenticity is really and i think that i think that will push it in a better direction i think i don't think i explained that thought very well but that's that was my meaning
0: no that totally makes sense um the concept of linkedin is that hey you build a relationship and you be super professional you ping them you be you you're, you write them a really long message that, hey, I'm this, I say this, I, I'm that, I'm that. But on Twitter, on the other hand, people will be like, yeah, if this guy does what I want, if this guy possesses the skills that I want, they just have to shoot me a straightforward message that, hey, are you looking for a PM job? This is me. And that's it. And this is the reason why I've been able to connect with some directors of products or even some Senior level executives on Twitter yeah. more easily than on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. And I like how you said about like short form. I guess, I guess that's a good design choice uh, for for a job seeking platform, actually, brevity. Because when you think about business communication, brevity is so important. And just having, you know, being concise, um, like, On LinkedIn, you get really long posts and it's all like, it's very like long stories Uh, and there is a character limit, but it's just, it's very long. But like, I I guess like, there's something, there's something about the the character limit on Twitter that like 280, it is, right? 280. Like that makes it, that forces you to be more concise and to the point about who you are by your identity and your content so yeah maybe it's the character limit too
0: yeah yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah so you can also see that twitter has around 350 million users i'm not sure if that's the exact stat as of now but yeah linkedin is almost double linkedin has over 600 million or 700 million so that's the thing again right which means you can see that in the world people are caring less about random insightful thoughts they're caring more about getting jobs which is obvious people want jobs and that's the reason linkedin is being so successful yeah this is what i believe there's going to be a time when linkedin will hit that 1 billion mark i'm seeing a lot of ads on youtube of linkedin like wow. get a head start in your career something like that yeah so i believe that there will be a time when linkedin will be like okay our mission Has to stay the same, creating economic opportunities for everyone. But our positioning has to be different or our nudging, how we nudge people Mm -hmm. so that they are successful, they use it better. They don't get into this toxic mindset that, hey, everybody's getting successful and I'm just sitting eating the chips. So that entire concept. So I believe they have to change the positioning that, hey, come over here, have good conversations, provide value and find your next opportunities. I think that's going to be a big thing for linkedin like brand positioning
1: yeah totally yeah i think that and actually that ge- that gives me some hope i think because when you say it like that it's like technology is going to play such a big part in in shaping he- like when you say nudging like i think i learned that word from What? When, where did i learn that word i feel like that's like a ux concept right it's like um, it, like, changing user behavior based on subtle design choices. Um, I think, like, the whole concept of nudging, like, it, like, technology plays such a big impact on how, you know, how people behave and how, uh, and then, like, you know, outcomes of people's lives. And obviously, we saw that with, you know, the social dilemma. <laughs> but, like, it can, go, it can go the opposite direction, too. Like with Twitter, I think it nudges you to be more authentic. It nudges you to be more, you know, open um, and, you know, concise with your tweets and whatever. So I think, yeah, it gives me hope <laughs> that technology right. can be used for good. It's cool.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Yeah, with this, I think we have hit the one hour mark. I know you are a super busy guy right now with TechPod. And yeah, congratulations, man. Like TechPod is growing like crazy. How's that experience been?
1: yeah yeah thanks techpod has been awesome it's been it started with me at the beginning of the summer you know as i said i'm an econ major and i you know it's non-technical um i i'm but i'm still very interested in in the tech industry um you know as i've as you probably can tell from this conversation um but i'm just i'm not a coder uh so but you know i i think i just really wanted to find other people like me uh who Want to get into the tech industry and who are non-technical, who are not CS, not computer science, and so that's what I did. This summer, I built a community of students who are aspiring to break in the business side of tech, um, and it's called TechPod. And we've been growing really fast. Lots of people are resonating with the, you know, the message, and we basically just host events and, uh, you know, talk to industry professionals and interns who have gotten into those positions. Um, as non-technical majors and non-technical backgrounds. So, yeah, it's been it's been really fun meeting I think like you said like just like meeting people and getting that feedback of like uh uh you know, kind of like the validation of like, you know, people people have been reaching out to me and be like, "Oh, like TechPod has been really helping and like we realize <laughs> that there's, you know, uh, you know, it's it's okay to be a non-technical student and be interested in tech." So it's been really cool just meeting all those people.
0: Right. Okay, before you go, one last question is what's up with that whale thing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So the whale. So it's it's just so tech pod. Like when we were thinking about tech pod, so funny story, my mom actually came up with the name TechPod. So I, I was, like, trying to brainstorm. I was brainstorming it with my co-founder, Vicky, for a really long time. And we couldn't think of a name. Uh, so I asked my mom. Like, I, I, was at, I was at dinner, and I just asked my mom, like, we need a name for this. What do you think? And then we came up with a bunch of names. Like, we wanted to find something that, was, that felt like a community. Like, I think we've seen a lot of cool communities come up, like Product Buds and Design Buddies. And they have the, the second word is, like, it's something that feels like it's a community, like bud, buddies. Um, So we wanted to come up with something like that. So we said pod because pod is, you know, it's kind of like, it's your pod. It's like a, it's like a group, but then pod is also the name of like what you call a group of whales. (laughs) So that's why, (laughs) so that's why uh, we, like, we went for that whale branding. Um, And I thought, yeah when I thought when I heard techpod, I was like, when I heard that from my mom, I was like, oh wait, that's a good name for a group, but then also we could go for like really cute whale branding and have like whales <laughs> and stuff, so that's why yeah, and also it's like it, do it, you know like so there's you know the morning brew yeah, the company like they they went for the emoji branding of like they basically own the the coffee cup emoji like they everyone on morning brew who works there puts puts the coffee cup emoji on their on the like next to their name and that's what i i do i put the whale emoji next to my name and we use the whale emoji like all over the place uh but like that concept from morning brew was actually taken from like andrew yang's campaign where they had the blue the blue hat and everyone everyone who is associated with the yang campaign or like volunteering for it or whatever, put a blue hat next to the name on Twitter, and like hundreds of thousands of people just had this blue hat. And then now you know Morning Brew is trying to replicate that. So that that was the other thought behind it. It's like, oh, there's a nice whale emoji. We should, you know, go for that branding. It's be be proud of. It's a way to be proud of like being part of TechPod. Man, I love this.
0: This was a fun conversation.